Thank you for listening to the Alan Wright Sermons Podcast. I'm his son, Matthew, and we have been splitting up the sermons every other week at our house church that my wife and I host on our farm. If you're interested in joining us, check out wrightfarmhousechurch.com. Enjoy today's lesson. This, this, these thoughts go along with Michael and his baptism today, but it's, it's, a, it's a thought that uh, I have been told that people don't understand, and yet it's something that Paul wrote a lot about, that he wants us to understand this. And I think we resist it because we're such physical people, Okay. And I'll give you an example. Okay, so we have several baseball players in this room. If I were to ask you, yeah, and some of you kind of play around with baseball, and some actually are on teams, right? If I were to ask you, how do you know you're a baseball player? You might give me some answers like, well, I go to baseball practice. Uh, I have a coach. Sometimes he yells at me. Uh, I play third base. I'm a catcher. I hit the ball last week. I struck out. All right, you give me some of these evidences of why proof that you're a baseball player, right? And if I've never seen you play, I would just have to take your word. I would have to believe you, and that's in faith. That's uh, faith because I've never seen you play it. I would in faith, believe you, because I have no reason to disbelieve you on that. All right, so where, uh, in, in Hebrews and in First uh, Peter both, it talks about how we are strangers and pilgrims on this earth. All right? I have in my safe at home a passport. I should have brought it today. That passport says United States of America on it. And I could show you this and say, I can prove to you that I am an American citizen by showing you this passport. It has my picture in it. it, has my passport number. I'm an American citizen. And yet the Bible says my citizenship is in heaven. Okay, using the same now, I want you to think about this. If I said, I'm an American citizen. Just like I asked, how, how do I know you're a baseball player? You'd say, you'd give me some evidence. If I said, how do I know I'm a citizen of America? I would give you evidence. Say, here's my passport. But here it says, you are a citizen of heaven. And he says, and we long for our home, our heavenly home. So are you an American citizen or are you a heavenly citizen? Okay, in reality, you're a heavenly citizen, but how do you know? Because what? Okay, now I want you to think about this, this, what I'm calling true reality. In fact, a bunch of my sermons in First John were on true reality. It was really real, okay? And so we want to look at what, what is really real. And here's the evidence. I mean, I have never met anyone who has gone to heaven and come back and said, oh man, heaven's a great place. Uh, on the third avenue down there, there's a nice coffee shop and you know, no one's ever, right? 
We don't, we don't know. All right, so how do I know I have a heavenly home? How do I know I'm a citizen in heaven? And here's how you know. I'm not going to ask you. I'm going to tell you. It's because God said it, okay? He said it in his word. I believe this is from God. He said it, and I believe on it. I believe it. Now, faith is this. I believe it because God said it, and I act on it. That's really what faith is. I, I say, okay, God said it. If God said the sky was green and everyone else in the world is saying it's blue, is it blue or is it green? If God said it's green, it's green, even if my physical senses says it's blue. All right? And I act on that. I, I Whatever action would be on that. I'm glad God did not say the sky is green. Then we would be fighting people all the time. But I want you to, I want to read something here in Colossians, starting Colossians chapter 2. If you have a Bible or anything you want to, you can bring it out, you can get it out. But the first thing I want you to, I want to give you a little, I want to give you a little helpful hint on how to study the Bible, because it's all through this little section here. And it's called connecting words. When you're reading the Bible, look for connecting words. Let me give you some examples here. In um, Colossians 2, and let's say verse 6, it says there, so then, well, that's a connecting word. That word then is also can be translated therefore. And so if I said, so, what, am I, what, does, that, what does that mean to you in English? If I said, so, okay, so in baseball, you're, play, you're playing baseball, your coach says, uh, when you stand this, uh, when, you, when, you, uh, when you do this, then this will happen. All right. So the coach coaches you, says, this, uh, if do this, so this will happen. Do this, therefore, this will happen. And so as you read the Bible here, he's going to say, he's going to be talking about something. And then he's going to say, because I've just told you about this, so or therefore, this is what happens. All right. So there are all these connections. So don't read them uh, in isolation here. Uh, you can see it in verse. Um, Oh, you just keep going down. The problem with this area here is my my little numbers are really small here. But I think that's verse 9. For in Christ. Is that the 9? All right. For. Okay. So he's telling you something. And then he says, for. And then uh, down in verse uh, 16, I believe it says, therefore, do not let anyone judge you. All right. Therefore, because of what I've just said. And then in verse 20. Uh, let's see here. My goodness, I need more light here. 20, since you died. What verse is that? 25, 20, what is that? 20, good, I can see it, but I, but I doubt myself. Since you died with Christ, then uh, so on. And then in verse chapter 3, since then you have. All right, so all these connections. This whole section from chapter 2, really verse 6, through chapter 3, verse 4 is one big unit. And I could literally spend maybe 10 lessons on this, so I won't, all right? I'm just letting you know these are all connected. All these things are connected. So there you go. That is so helpful. Now I can read. <laughs> Thank you. All right. Yeah, I was going to say, which way? Is that? All right, there you go. All right, now I can see better. Okay, so here's what I want to start out with. A lot of people say, 
I have a personal relationship with Jesus. You ever heard that? All right, personal relationship with Jesus. But I want you to think about this, relationships. We have all sorts of relationships. Some are very shallow. We have a relationship with someone at work. We know them at work. We don't know. We don't even know if they're married, maybe. We just have a shallow relationship, but we have a relationship. We can have damaged relationships. You know, people that we've had problems with, they're like uh, for that second John, or was it second or third John, die of the three, whatever, was being a jerk. You think he said it was a jerk? All right, so a damaged relationship there. Well, that's not a really good relationship, but it's a relationship. You can have a deep relationship. You can have an intimate relationship. You have a close relationship, all these different relationships. So when we talk about a relationship with Christ, what kind of relationship is it? That's what we're kind of looking at. Okay, it's a la- yeah, a lasting relationship. All right, but when Paul talked about that relationship, it's really interesting. He's telling you, just like I was telling you, between reality, spirit, a, a difference between spirituality and physical reality. Physically, we are citizens of America. Spiritually, we're citizens of heaven. All right. So Paul is trying to explain something that is a spiritual truth that is really uh, important and it's really deep. It's kind of hard to understand, but everyone can understand it to a degree and you'll grow in this understanding more and more. And the more you grow in it, the better your relationship with God is going to be and with Christ, all right? And so we're going to look at this, this relationship. Now, Paul uses the word with here, with, all right? And so I call this, instead of a relationship, I made, I made up a word, withness. That's not a word, is it? Withness? It's the, the, yeah, well, the Bible union says union, united. And so I make, sometimes I make up words because it catches people's attention. It's a withness. All right, because he uses this word with over, uh, over and over. Uh, he uses the word in. And all this is telling you there is a really close something going on here. And it is so uh, spiritually real that you have to stop and you have to really think about this. And okay, I'm just going to point out, and like I said, I could spend a lot of time here, so I'm not on purpose. I'm going to look at just a few verses here. Let's look at verse, um, well, let's start with verse 6, where he says, So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live, now here's this word, live in Him, all right? Rooted and built up in Him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. Sometimes I try and help people understand this by putting it in a a kind of a different context and see if it makes sense. Okay, let me read it this way. So then, just as you receive Alan, continue to live in Alan. All right, suddenly you go, oh, hold it. Now that's sounding weird, isn't it? Well, why is it sounding weird here? And the reason it's not sounding weird here in the Bible is because we've heard this so much, it's just, just we, we just hear this word and we don't even think about it. But if you put it in a different context, suddenly you go, hold it. 
if I were hearing this for the first time, I would be going, what? You see what I'm saying? Because if I said, I want you to live in me, you would, the, the question you would ask is, what are you talking about? Or how, do, how, how would I do that? That doesn't make sense. All right, so that's why it's important for us to kind of think of things like this, where he says, I want you to live in him. Well, what in the world do you mean, Paul? Well, he's going to explain something that is spiritually true that we have to believe because God said, and then we act on it. All right, that's what faith is. We believe it because God said it, and we know it's true, and then we put it into practice, all right? So let's look down a little bit. He's talking about in verse this inness, this withness uh, in Christ. Um, verse, and, 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 you know, if you have questions, it'd be good to read this whole section because we just don't have time to read the whole thing. Um, he says, um, let's back up to, boy, I, I want to just read the whole thing. But verse 9, for in Christ, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. In Christ, God is represented, lives in, in him. All right. And he says, and you have been given fullness in Christ. Here's a whole sermon right here. Here's a whole sermon. Look, he says, in Christ, the full deity of God is in him. And you have been given the fullness of Christ. What does that think of the implication there? You have been given divinity. <laughs> it doesn't mean you're God, but you've been given an aspect of divinity there. Wow. All right. And then he says, in him, you were also circumcised in the putting off of the sinful nature. Circumcision, just think about it, it being a cutting off. All right. All right. So that's all he's saying here. He's saying what, what happened here, you, you, you were cut off from the sinful nature. All right. And he says, this wasn't a physical thing, not with a, not done by hands of men, but done by Christ. And then he said, begins to, to explain it. Having been buried, okay, now I want you to listen to this, with him. That's one of the witnesses here. With him in baptism and raised with him through your faith in the power of God who raised him from the dead. The reason I chose this is because I knew Michael was going to be baptized. And I wanted to emphasize, Michael, something really special happened that you don't, you can't fully understand this right now because it's something I don't fully understand that I'm growing in. I'm learning this myself. And so he says here that you were buried with him. Okay, now put it, let's put it this way. My dad died about two years ago. He was buried. All right? He was buried. If I said, Michael, you were buried with granddad, what would you think? No, no. You would go, what? No, I wasn't buried with granddad. Granddad's up in Maple Hills Cemetery, and I'm not. Well, when was Jesus buried? 2,000 years ago. But here he's saying, you were buried with Christ. And when was Jesus raised from the dead? about three days later, 2,000 years ago. But he says, but you were raised with him. All right, so we had, this goes back to that concept of relationship. All right, here's what, what kind of what's happening here. All right. So 
Julie and I got married 40-something years ago. It's going on 44. 44 this summer. All right? Guess what? All my debts became her debts when we got married. Did you know that? Fortunately, we didn't have too many. <laughs> and all my assets, which were less than my debts, <laughs> became hers. When we're in a relationship, we, we share the benefit and we, we, we share the, the uh, burden, okay? And so you could say, I had a huge debt. And when I was united with Christ, that debt became his debt. And his assets, the good things that he had, sitting on the right hand of God, being pure, etc., being holy, became mine. All right, so this, and, and, and I don't have a piece of paper to show you this. I don't have um, a recording from God. I don't have a marriage certificate. The reason I know it is because God said it, and I say, wow, okay, I believe it, and i got to live that way. All right? Uh, let's look at some more of these witnesses, uh, this witness here. He says, having been buried with him in baptism, raised with him, through your faith, again, that's where that faith I was, I was talking about, in the power of God who raised from the, from the dead. Um, let me look at my notes here on what verse I want to get to next. Let's go to, uh, all right, okay, uh, verse 13. When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your sinful nature, God made you alive with Christ. Amen. All right, he made you alive with Christ. So just like Christ was made alive, you were made alive at the same time. He forgave all our sins, having canceled the written code with its res, uh, regulations that was against us and stood opposed to us. He took it away, nailed it to the cross. In other words, he took all our debt that we had and he put it on the cross. All right, Because we are now joined with him, we're with him, uh, through this act of baptism and being raised from the dead. Um, all right, let's go on to verse, uh, let's skip down to verse 20. He says, since you died, oh, you died? Since you died with Christ, all right, when did Christ die? 2,000 years ago. When did you die? Having been buried with him, Oh, when you were baptized, you died. Mike, did you know that you died? You died today. That's right. And you were raised today. Since you died, and then, then he's saying, since you died with Christ to all these things of the, the way the world thinks, the principles of the world, then he says this to these people. Why? Though, why, as though you still belong to you, submit to his rule, why are you living like you're still alive to the world? He's reminding them, you're dead. This is a spiritual reality. And then he goes, let's skip on down to verse uh, chapter 3, verse 1. Uh, since then, you were raised with Christ. All right. Set your hearts on things above. This is what you do. This is what we're all called to do. Since we've been raised with Christ, we set our hearts on things above. 
where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds. This is how you're supposed to start thinking on things above, not earthly things. Don't think like the world. Why? For, that's that good old connecting word, for you die. Wow, for you die. And your life is now hidden with Christ in God. There's another withness there. Your life is now in Christ, hidden in with Christ in God. Now I want to look at one last verse, verse 4, which, which is a really neat verse. Okay, so I've been talking about these with, these, uh, with passages here. Here is something that's called opposition, not OPP, but APP. Apposition, not opposition, apposition. All right. So maybe you're homeschooling mothers like, are we going to learn something? Yes. All right. Here it is. All right. So in English, you have two nouns or two noun phrases, and they put them side by side, and it means the second one is explaining the first one. They're the same. Like Paul, here's one Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ. The, an apostle describes Paul. All right. Or simple uh, things like that. Well, here is one of these appositional phrases in verse 4, where he's saying something. Here you have something, and the second thing is the same as the first. All right? Verse 4. When Christ, all right, that's the first one. That's your noun, Christ. Who is your life? What's your real life? Christ. That's your real life. And so being a Christian is learning to live in this spiritual thinking, this spiritual reality that my life isn't just feeding pigs and sheep and chickens and playing baseball. That's really not my life. Now, those are some things I have to do to, to have a physical life. And it's things that we can even enjoy, like tending our bees and playing ball and having fun. Those are, nothing's wrong with any of those things. But what is your real life? Just like I'm a citizen of America, sure, that's not my real citizenship. My real citizenship is in heaven. What is my real life? My real life is Christ. And then the neat thing about that, after that, and we're not going to go into this at all, he says, let me, let me kind of explain what this looks like. He says, so when you realize that Christ is your life, that you have joined in his death and his resurrection, and your life is, is not a reflection, not symbolic, it's a, it's a reality, it's a spiritual reality. You really, really died. You really, really rose from the dead. And so now that you have this new life, which is Christ living in you, and you in Christ, now you have to learn what that how to do it. And he begins to list some things. So stop doing these things. Put to death, therefore, verse 5, all that belongs to your earthly nature. And he goes through some things that are really, really bad. And then he goes through some things that are we think aren't that bad, like anger, rage, malice. He says, we need to start putting those away. And then we need to put on, clothe ourselves, verse 12, with compassion and kindness and humility and gentleness and patience, and we start putting those things on. All right, so here's, here's how I just want to sum it up. When we understand 
what is really real. There is a great deal of security in this. I don't have to worry about am I going to heaven or am I going to hell. If I am in Christ, where am I already? Ephesians tells me I am seated at the right hand of God. That's that's the reality. That's my true reality. And so while I'm on this earth and I'm struggling with learning how to live and how to treat people and how to deal with my you know the things around me, I can be secure that I am in Christ and that He is in me, and I don't have to worry about oh am I going to go to hell because I said a bad word? No, I just turn that over to God and I just keep on living in Christ. There's a great deal of security. But second of all, there's a great deal. You you learn how to live a genuine spiritual life. You don't have to, oh, I got to really work hard on this. I got to pray for, you know, for a week. I got to fast for a week. And there's nothing wrong with praying and fasting. But that doesn't make you more spiritual. All right. The real spirituality is in just the realization of who I am in Christ. And then real spirituality is not not something, uh, I don't know what the word is, esoteric. I don't even know how to explain that. It's not something fuzzy, all right? What it is is being kind, being gentle, being compassionate, being patient. That's real spirituality, all right? It's not because, oh, he, you know, Alan goes out in the field and he sits cross-legged and he doesn't eat while all of everyone else is eating because he's so spiritual. Well, you know, I, yeah, I think you, you covered on like the Sabbaths and like there the right, yeah, there yeah, about yeah, exactly yeah, all the yeah. people who were trying to do all these esoteric Right, like, yeah, and it, 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 it talks about that, you know, that I'm, I'm kind of like, uh, trying to trying to get myself, it's like a, a, a spiritual gymnastics to make myself more spiritual. And that only leads to frustration. It's just a tremendous amount of frustration because I can always look out and find someone that I think is more spiritual than me and that I can never be as spiritual as them. Or I can always, when that, when that wears me out, I'll find someone who's not as spiritual as me. Like my buddy, I hope this isn't, he doesn't hear this. My buddy uh, in Texas, he's a cowboy. And man, he can be a rough character sometimes, but he is a spiritual guy. <laughs> but I could always look at him and say, oh, I'm not as mean as him. <laughs> I'm more spiritual than him. And yet I may be far less spiritual than him because he may, he may have learned some lessons from the Lord of compassion that I haven't learned. All right. So when we really are, are founded in that, hey, I've died with Christ. I was raised with Christ. I am now living in Christ. This is my real life. It just gets rid of all this working hard to be spiritual. It's just learning to live as he has called us to live and just being secure. I don't have to worry about, is God going to save me in the end? Of course he is. You're in Christ. Thank you for listening to the Alan Wright Sermons podcast. We hope you'll join us next time. God bless you and have a wonderful week.